This is a journey to the intersection of culture and commerce from the Black perspective, where we talk about business, entertainment, relationships, religion, and how our Blackness is depicted and eventually monetized. This is The Business of Black. levels to this podcasting and we're trying to set some levels now when we start talking about that intersection we're talking about overlapping where ideologies and practices kind of cross over one another and philosophies extend and uh we have a a sort of uh A servitude to commerce versus a, a mastery over it. And I think it's because of uh, the conversion of currency into commerce um, or the, the the culture of being commercial. And uh, obviously, if, if, if you were changing to a commercial product versus managing a commercial product in a particular marketplace your relationship with that marketplace is going to reflect how you entered the marketplace so if you entered the marketplace as a good and or service versus a manager of goods and or services your overall outlook on that marketplace is is going to be a reflection of that entrance so in that regard, um, a lot of people that enter the conversation as a commercial good or service usually stay in a consumer mind state versus a producer mind state, which is what the manager of said goods and services enters as. So there's more of a controller, uh, there's more of a controller mentality associated with production and management versus being the good or service, where there's a devaluing process involved with being a good or service because you're never able to see yourself as more than that. You're always selling yourself to someone. Um, if you're selling yourself to someone, the uh, higher equivalent of that would be selling an infinite portion of you to something, a principle or power. And this is when you get into uh, the the going rate of souls uh, in a given marketplace and how easy it is for a person that uh, is viewed as a good or a service or only worth what good or service they bring to the market, how quickly they'll um, pawn their soul off for uh, what appears to be stability or some type of certainty versus the uh, producer or manager who generally creates conditions of prosperity for themselves or takes them away from others. Um, there's a lot of intersection between that, between the producers and the product, um, the intersection and the culture created is like what we're here to discuss and how it really shouldn't be separated like church and state. Um, they, they, you, I don't know about separating the body from the spirit and really wanting to kick it with that body if it doesn't have a spirit. So, right. you know, that 
that becomes that becomes problematic if we're talking about evolution of a relationship. You know, if we're just talking about a body, then we're talking about a corpse, and this is the relationship between people and corporations. Corporations don't always acknowledge or respect the spirit of the people, which in turn become its patronage, which means they can't really become family members with the people who are supporting them. They do it for their families, and that's where the cutoff stops. They'll thank the general public, but they can't really invest in them to make them a part of the family in the same way they do their own. And worse than that, the general public indoctrinates their actual families into a culture of supporting businesses that really don't give a damn about them in any way, shape, or form. Right. I mean, it's kind of like what you was talking about like over the weekend when you was kicking it about how back in the days the businesses used to be vested in the families with the with the work, the 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 company picnics and all that stuff where everybody got to meet everybody else. Right? Mm-hmm. Back in that time, people were more heavily vested in that job. They gave it more attention. They took time to know the people that they worked with. Their families also knew them. So that there wasn't, you know, that culture of, okay, this is my work wife and whatnot, Mm -hmm. because my work wife don't know shit about my real wife. So, you know, we could do whatever it is and feel no way about it. You know what I mean? But nowadays, that's the way it is. Everything is separate. Kind of like you were saying, you don't know how how the corpse can be without the soul and still Mm want to, you know, have an intersection with it. You know what I mean? So if that's the case, right? I think it's even more paramount that we, whether it's small businesses or or medium-sized businesses that are more family-oriented or brought up by the family so that that culture can still remain. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like uh, as a whole, we have to uh, redefine, we have to redefine business, rewrite the paradigm of business from the ground up, simply because the family unit has been uh, rewritten based on business. Right. Like these families are directly affected by business. You think about, you know, transatlantic slave trade destroyed families for business after you, uh, quote unquote, abolish the institution of slavery, not the practice, but the institution of slavery you have a, a northern migration of of skilled workers uh, to to warehouses in the north without any of the social engineering in place to accommodate the boost in population, which gives the rise to federally funded projects. You know, uh, once again, totally directed at the family. Um, Piers Ego in St. Louis was the first uh, federally funded project, and they rioted over these projects. White people rioted to get into the projects. I used to do the knowledge on that. You got white people rioting to get for housing <laughs> because, you know, there was no housing for anyone and they felt as though they deserved it above everyone. And in the end, what the federal government decided to do was to only give the housing to single mothers, single black mothers, which created a culture of family breaking. Because here, these these this housing was supposedly created for working people, yet it was only given out to to black women who supposedly did not have husbands. Meanwhile, the all the work 
was being done by men because they wouldn't hire women. This is the same government doing all this, the same government that creates the federal housing project that they know can't be sustained by regular working people because it's a federal building. No federal building is maintained by federal employees. They're all maintained by federal tax dollars. So when you create a building that needs to be maintained by federal tax dollars and then you create a system that appears to, to aid people who the federal government actually put in the position that they're in, you're creating a culture that directly blames families for their lack of prosperity. And they start to embrace that lack of value or owing or what have you. And that, that, that concept doesn't stop versus a, a family like the Doles or the Johnson and Johnson family or the Russell family. Like these are families too, but they have that never ending bread, that, that, that bottomless coffer where you stop counting money several generations ago. You know what I'm saying? The DuPonts of people like that. So, um, you know, on one end, you got the, 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 the vast majority of people looking at family as a source of pride, but also a, a bottomless bill. You have another group of people that look at family as the, the, the meaning of life, because without it, they really wouldn't be able to move the way that they move. Right. But like I said, for the, for the majority of us, it's just that bill. It's a bill that we have to actually live up to and we fall short of. And the devaluing process uh, definitely keeps us in a place where we, will, we are willing to accept things that aren't necessarily pulling us closer together. So to loop that back in with what we you know, were just talking about is in the 80s, you had a cost of living adjustment, which, you know, was, you know, the government's way of saying we recognize inflation as being something that you have to deal with and adjust to yearly. And we recognize that, you know, your employers kicking out the amount of taxes that they're kicking out and sustaining you all with jobs and, you know, uh, in turn, creating a robust economy for the businesses that sustain themselves off of all the employees that travel into an area, uh, that travel into an area over a certain amount of time uh, to, to, to go to work, buying gas, going to grocery stores and stuff. It's, a, it's, it's an ecosystem. It's an ecosystem. And uh, in the 80s, that ecosystem always, I'm, I'm almost say always, but kept the family in mind because the quality of life really was factored into the quality of the outcome of the product. Right. You know, and uh, if you got people who are sacrificing the majority of their time to raise money to take care of their families, it's cool. It's actually wise to bring all of those families face to face so they recognize each other and the sacrifices that are being made and why they're doing it. I think uh, the process of building walls and building cubicles and, you know, placing floors between people is, is one of the things that's making the understanding harder to establish and uh, turning us more into automatons that kind of operate on autopilot, get drones. up every day. Yeah, straight up drones that get up every day and, you know, just go to where we go, do what we do, get off, and then just kind of float home like apparitions and, you know, wake up and do it again the next day. Um, when you added that being black. Uh, there's a whole nother level. That's there's, a whole, there's a whole nother level of uh, compartmentalization and... Uh, programming and conditioning that, you know, you 
you have to uh, back pocket so many microaggressions and different things that, you know, come at you because any one of them can cause you to teeter off balance and uh, ultimately jeopardize everything that you might have sacrificed for, uh, all be them very, very minuscule when uh, when added up. But um, definitely a different time, not the time that I remember when I was a kid. Uh, I actually got introduced to, you know, coworkers, my parents, coworkers, kids. I went to two, uh, I went to, we had Christmas parties as well as uh, summer picnics where it was all you could eat and rides and, you know, pools and everything. And it was, it was, it was that company way of giving back, not really knowing like, oh, well, they're just spending extra money to beat their taxes, you know, but still they did it in a way where, you know, you felt like they were sharing some of the wealth, but you felt right. some of that concept of trickle down economy for as uh, illusory as that is. Um, but you felt it. That's long gone now. It's like, you know, the- It's all, it's all about the bottom line and how we can get more for less. But there's, there's no way to humanize numbers. And this is the problem with mathematics. Mathematics is a way of neutralizing humanity. Uh, you know, uh, even though the universe is based on mathematics, you're given life on a two-dimensional plane, a three-dimensional plane, so that you can deal with something that's beyond math. And I always feel like it's kind of why we're here. Um, we don't fall exactly on the beat, but we're always on beat. You know what I mean? Like um, a lot of things we do are in between. They're not exacting, like quantizing a beat creates a march, a very stiff sort of rhythm. And if you listen to James Brown, if you listen to like Boosie Collins, you listen to uh, George Clinton, they were on the beat, but they weren't on the beat. They were in between. Um, and if you look at our contributions to society, that's what we are. We exist in between extremes to illustrate humanity. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's why it's important to not be quantized. Marching, marching is related to war. Dancing isn't related to war. Right. You know what I mean? Um, dancing is related to worship. You know what I mean? That's why, you know, you know, you, you could watch nature dance. You know what I'm saying? You watch nature in its dance. You watch nature waltz. The wind causes things to dance. Um, there are aspects of nature that march into war, but not as calculated or orchestrated as humans. Um, and a lot of that is transferred on to business and how we do business with each other. The rearing of families takes on some of that where the decisions are calculated military strategies versus being loving uh, concepts of selflessness that go beyond the family and into the community and from the community into the nation and into the nation, into the, the globe. I feel like uh, that, that practice was abandoned a long time ago in favor of something that was more profitable. And we've been on that path for ever since. And but uh, pro, but profit for who? Because at the end of the day, don't it's it's never profited us. You know what I mean? Like you go through times where let, let's take the dot com, right? Plenty of people got rich during that time. Right. How many of us got rich during that time? Oh well, we lost in the digital divide. I mean, um, during the dot com. During the dot-com bubble, you, you got to keep in mind, that was that was fueled by ignorance, too. I mean, you, you're talking about, like, dial-up still having a presence with the AOL running man. Um, 
just on the other side of that AOL running, man, there was a whole bunch of uh, there's a whole bunch of question marks. I think uh, I think Ted Turner was like losing like 1.3 million a day or something like that. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying for a couple years straight. Um, off of this concept that if you don't buy in now and you don't do things a certain way, you know you're gonna miss out. I mean, but then again, you know. Back in the 80s, you know, doctors and lawyers are walking around with cell phones that look like defibrillators. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could bring you could bring somebody back to life with a cell phone back in the day. <laughs> uh, and, you know, nobody ever thought it would get to a point where it'd be thin enough to fit in your back pocket and replace 10 different devices. Devices. Your desktop computer, your, right. your tablet, your, your, your home phone. While simultaneously your TV, while simultaneously narrowing the digital divide that we were supposed to be lost in. I mean, like the digital divide was being created well before the internet was being advertised. If you look back at War Games with uh, Matthew Broderick, I believe that was, um, he was using a modem to connect with NORAD and started World War III using a modem. That was like '84. You know what I'm saying? You look at like Doogie Hauser, he was blogging. That was late 80s. Right. Um, so you look at uh, Radio Shack, which is now non-existent, and their their whole business model was about people who did ham radios and built computers from scratch. So, you know, I was in intellectually gifted courses in the 80s, all through the 80s, and that was how I got to play Oregon Trail and different things like that, while the average kid was never getting in front of a computer. Right. You know, so the digital divide was being created back then while we were while we we were being romanced like romanced with like Atari twenty six hundred and ColecoVision and Intellivision, they were running around with with Commodores. Right. <laughs> and playing like uh lemonade tycoon and roller coaster tycoon right. and learning how to be managers and producers. Right. While we played what? Contra and Street Fighter. Learn how to be the product. Right. Learn how to be a soldier. Learn how to be a frontliner. You know what I mean? Damn, I ain't never really look at it like that. I never really look at it like that because, like, there's times when I think that even during slavery, right, we were, although forced, we were the middleman between the product and the 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 seller. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it it kind of pains me that. We didn't take lessons from that. Um, you know what I'm saying? And the only the only people that really got the lessons from that are criminalized nowadays. Right. That's your hustlers. Right. You know what I'm saying? The people who 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 are the middleman between the product and the consumer. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it, and and there's no reason why we can't be that middleman on our own terms. You know what I'm saying? But it's one of those where Either we lack the vision, the patience, or the drive. Um, vision, patience, and drive are resources, but uh, the traditional resources that we lack are money and network. Because you could you could be driven and be alone. You could have patience and never connect with who you need to connect with. You could have vision that you can't bring to fruition because you can't materialize any of the pieces of it. Right outside of the concept itself, which is free, you know what I'm saying. So you know, thinking and imagining things and projecting things, those, those are all the powers of poor people. 
why we're excellent at window shopping. It's why we're extraordinary at ideation and why we're quick to be exploited for our ideas because we can't bring them to market. We don't have any of the pieces. So um, we can't leave out the resources which we were separated from and are definitely systematically kept from. Um, doesn't mean we don't have it collectively. It just means that we were taught not to move collectively. Uh, which, you know, is great for other people's business model. Right. Um, because we keep them rich. Right. Right. Um, While starving ourselves. Pretty much. Um, so, like, once again, we get back into the numbers of, of you know, where we are now and um, what we weren't supposed to be now. And we see a bunch of different things that older people who were controlling yesterday didn't foresee in right now. Like I said, we were still supposed to be lost in the digital divide that they created. But then again, they thought that they these would control. Niggas, right. These niggas would never catch up. Well, they actually thought they would date themselves. 65, 70,000, 70 year old men <laughs> thought they would control a technology that they didn't understand, which is foolish. Um, you know what I mean? It was always a younger geeks sort of frontier. Uh, the whole not technology, but computer. You know what I mean? Like, we start talking about technology. Technology, from a big dog standpoint, is military, you know what I'm saying? And being able to afford military research and development is real easy to see, like, oh, no no young young whippersnapper or, you know, brainiac little young dude is going to be able to come take power from us, and then you get a Mark Zuckerberg. Mm. And he can get a quarter of the planet's population to pay attention to what he's doing 18 hours out of the day. Steve Jobs. Or, right. And you, you, you Bill and Gates. People that can create something from nothing. Something from nothing that people want. Right. Um, because, you know, people don't want missiles. Like, people don't want supersonic jets. They don't. Uh, people who are into extending war want that shit. Um, people who go to work all the time just want something in exchange for them trading their life in <laughs> for money. So they want to be entertained, you know what I'm saying? So it's the people who can bring, you know, an increase in the quality of someone else's life that everybody's paying attention to. There is no increase in quality of life that comes from war. There isn't. I mean, there's destruction, there's regret, there's resentment, there's some shit that's going to have to be paid back in the future. There's bad karma. It's what you get from war. Right. Um, which is why it really should be a last resort. But for so many, it's a, it's a way of life. Right. In reality, the average person doesn't want that. You know what I'm saying? They, they just want, you know, uh, something positive or something entertaining to do in their downtime. So the people who approach that and approach that concern and solve that, that want, are generally going to be embraced faster. And this is what took all of those older business propositions off of their pivot because newspapers thought old people would read newspapers forever. Right. Newspapers didn't recognize that the commute fucked up everybody's morning. They don't got 30 minutes to sit around and read a, read a newspaper no more. That 30 minutes turned into the trip across town. You got to add 15 on top of that just for them to get where they're going. When they get to work, they can't sit there and read the newspaper because they got to clock in, right? And then when they get their break, by that time, that news is old. 
Right. By the time they get off, it's a whole nother news. It's ready for the nightly news. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to talk about the dismantling of newspapers, we have to look at technology in the form of TV. It was the first steps towards like, you know, dismantling the old publishing situation. That just evolved into microblogging. That just evolved into news constantly coming down a, a, a feed and not just news that, you know, a news, you know, channel uh, dictates his news. Everything counts as news now, you know what I'm saying? Two artists beefing his news. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the president talking about athletes is news, not, not him not having a stance on, like, pedophilia being normalized. That's, that's not news, you know what I mean? Him, how he feels about, you know, football players kneeling or basketball players that can buy schools that he can never actually think up. That's news. And it, that's it, orchestrated news, though, because I feel like that's just just to distract away from other shit that's going on. All news is orchestrated, though. Anytime you're dealing with editing, right? You're dealing with orchestration. There's no editing in nature. Like, yo, the the only net editing nature does is removing shit from landscapes. You know, tornadoes. Tornado is the best editor. Right. Earthquakes, incredible editors. Hurricanes. Hurricanes are the best fucking editors. Volcanoes. Editor in chief, yeah, but clear you, this whole shit out. Like, but you don't, but you don't see them shits coming. Whereas the news, like, listen, I could tell you this: if you turn on the TV and Trump's having a bad day, next day expect for him to talk about some shit like the NFL players or uh, or 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 Don Lemon making LeBron James look smart mm-hmm. or something like that to distract from the shit storm that he just went through. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But then again, that all goes back to, like, I feel like. That keeps us distracted because we we like to we like the new shiny object to 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 take our focus away from the shit that we should be doing, which is building families, building these businesses, building these communities. You know what I'm saying, and generating something that's for the greater good of our people. Because if you look back at it, right? Yeah, I know Indians been taking a hit, but. They run in their own circle first before mm-hmm. anybody else see their money. Mm-hmm. We could talk about the Jews and how mm-hmm. it circulates their community 11, 12 times before any other hand touches it. You know what I'm saying? But we're the only ones. The minute it comes into us, it goes back out to somebody else. Right? All yep. because we lack the focus or we run behind that new shiny object or the gossip or the news of the day. Oh, um, I mean, all of that is true. But we're definitely... Uh... We're, we lack the reference of depending on each other historically. And I mean, that was also part of this sociological experiment in these North American laboratories was, um, oh, you know, you know, when, when they getting ready to send astronauts into space, they, they, they got to condition them in a bunch of different ways to deal with separation. You know, it's no different than, you know, uh, Soldiers that got to be in submarines, like you got to be conditioned to be off of land, underwater, away from what you consider normal for extended periods of time. You know what I'm saying? It's no different than like sleep deprivation and things of that. So when you talk about uh, the descendants of slaves and black people in these North American laboratories, you're talking about people who have been in social deprivation. Like... Like we have been removed from regular society and put in positions where everything that we deal with is dependency on other people. Even though we are the battery to so much, 
you know what I'm saying, um, run sports, run entertainment, you know what I'm saying, for for pennies on a dollar, uh, you know, will power your situation. We are the plutonium, the uranium, to plenty of uh, business models. And the key to it all is never actually admitting that shit, which is why you won't get an apology for slavery. You won't get an admission that, you know, the key to maintaining control over, over uh, sports is not actually humanizing the black players or where they come from um, um, and rewarding other players and other teams that fit a narrative. Like, that'll never be admitted, you know what I mean? It, you know, as long as only certain people are getting those head injuries, as long as only certain people yeah. are getting hit, and these people can stay the quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we're going to be mad at sports like boxing when we don't see you bleeding anymore. And you can, you know, you can retire as a, a champion without with a straight nose. Right. We look at we, we look down on players that exercise... Uh, self-determination and decide where they want to go to uh, pick their legacy. But that, that shit is applauded in corporate America. Mm-hmm. When you leave a, 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 a sinking job, ship- Right, for another one. For another one that you actually raised from a certain, you know, a, a certain level, you know, it was low before you brought it to a higher, mm-hmm. higher degree. That's usually rewarded, that's usually celebrated. But in sports, not the case. So, um, us having not having this reference of being able to depend on us is what makes us so quick to validate sources outside of our community away from our family. Think about it like this. If a person ends up going to college on a scholarship or something, he can't even look back at his family and saying like, yo, they sacrificed to get me here. Right. Right. And then you go work for a white business and if you don't get hired, you can look at it like a diversity issue and be like, man, it's fucked up. And then if you do get hired by this same industry that has the same diversity issue, and now you're the one black person that's there, you're really expected to be thankful every day that you're there because you're the only one there and never question why you're the only one. Right. You know, and in that, you don't have this ability to project the vision where I built this for my people. You know what I'm saying? And I was able to hire qualified people that were being overlooked, not people that, you know, look like me and they need jobs. That exists too. But qualified people that are systematically being overlooked uh, because they're not associated with success. It does not mean that they're not successful. Like I said, we are the battery that powers this whole show. Plenty of situations here. Since slavery, you don't take poor slaves, you don't take like lazy slaves, you don't take non-industrial slaves the same way you wouldn't take a chance and hire somebody and bring them into your situation unless they was qualified or unless they had somebody's last name. Right. See what I'm saying? So when we get into a position where we've had a couple of decades of depending on ourselves, each other, for education, for um, recreation, for rebuilding and rewriting of a cultural paradigm, 
that defines our lifetimes in our own words, we're never going to really exist outside of other people's definitions of us and, you know, the uh, references that we're left to draw from, which will always lead us away from us. And I feel like that was by design. And I feel like it was important for us to live through that design. Anything else and everything else that couldn't function the way that we do currently and have has been eliminated. So when you mentioned buffer earlier, that was important. Um, there had to be a buffer between the indigenous people and the invaders. Um, and we were that buffer. Like we were the buffer that once it was clear that, you know, it's really not good, there's not peaceful intent here, there's definitely invasion underwear, underway, there's land grab going on. Um, and there started to be resistance against that. We were the ones that, you know, a lot of times the indigenous people ran into first. And we dissuaded them the same way when we traveled the planet, you know, hundreds of years before, you know what I'm saying, these, you know, invaders did. We only ran into people that looked like us, so we didn't have any real reason to conquer anything. All right. Like every time we touched down anywhere, you know, wherever it was at, we saw people was melanated that the son, you know, worked in conjunction with. Right. So was, that's my family. I have no reason to take it. I'm, I'm on vacation here. That's my family. Versus other people who showed up places where they constantly did not see themselves, but wanted to be, wanted to etch themselves in the history and what have you. So we're still very much in that phase of it where everything is being done big so that somebody can make their mark on history, but it's forcible. Right. It's forcible. And, you know, our mark on history has to constantly be faded or be eclipsed by that mark. Or the nose chopped off. Or the nose blown off, you know what I'm saying? And in regard, like, we hide inside the battery compartment and move things forward. But if we ever fall out the battery compartment and complain about how we're being overworked, we, you know, we're susceptible to being gagged in a number of different ways. And so that's definitely part of the culture here. And that also adds on to our reference for what we are supposed to do, what we aren't supposed to do. Speaking out never really was uh, um, like, you know, smiled upon by the forces that be because truth definitely short circuits a lot of marketing plans. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like too much truth is anathema to good advertising, in my opinion. Now, obviously I said we got to rewrite the paradigm. So, uh, as far as black people is concerned, dealing with black people, we need a whole lot of goddamn truth to um, undo um, a lot of, of our conditioning. And you know, once we start presenting the truth in that light, it's gonna be hard to go back. It's sort of like, now you see like the perms are falling out of style, not because of years and years of people saying like, yo, it's eating your scalp up, but the, the women who were actually, you know, keeping the practice going are acknowledging what they're going through right. and embracing what they're going through personally and making personal decisions to change all that. The, the industry been the same. It was always about lie. It was always about destroying your, your, your kinky hair. It was always about destroying your antennas and what connects you to universe. It's always been about that. The devil is a scientist. You know what I'm saying? According to the holy book of this particular country, uh, the Bible, he was the smartest angel. 
being fire. Fire is symbolic of intelligence. He refused to prostrate himself to man because he felt he was smarter than man. And you could be smarter than man, but you're not wiser than God. So he didn't understand time. And that's an unfortunate aspect of the same people that control this time that we in. They don't understand time. They think time is on their side. They think they had time is forever. Like the 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 uh the prophet that really wasn't discussed in the book that you know everybody has here uh is Enoch. And uh he was the one of the prophets, uh, if not the only prophet that was sent to heaven alive. Like the rest of the prophets got assassinated. Just give you an idea about what truth has always done to the powers that be in any given time. Get your ass killed. Right. You know what I'm saying? So obviously it's a problem. You get your, you, you get Edward Snowden. Yeah, early you will get assassinated for being a little bit too truthful. But Enoch was the, you know, based on the apocryphal, if you know about it, the Aquarian gospel, um, he was the one that was invited up to see the firmaries of heaven to see if he would geek, because, you know, God, you know, hell of a proctor, test the shit out of people constantly. <laughs> um, you know, so showed him the firmaments of heaven and looked them in his eyes like, oh, shit, you, you was a thorough, you was a real one. Okay, well, then you, you the type of one that can, you know, bear this message to them 21 suckers that thought they could, you know, overthrow my shit. I need you to go back to earth and let them know they have 6,000 years. Get their shit together. You got all the resources on earth. You so goddamn smart. Um, you could go ahead and influence whatever you want, teach them whatever you want, war, medicine, you know, politics, whatever. You know, whatever you need to do to try to win them over, they will never be your children because you can't create flesh, blood, or bone. You can only influence shit. Influence is temporary. Right? So these people have not mastered time. And, you know, I say these people in a colorless form because the influence right. has made the ideology go extend way beyond color, right? As far as who these people are. So you say 1% is the 1%, 1% under this agenda of control by any means necessary, you know, without actually saying that, but doing everything that ain't possible to maintain it. This is who we talking about. So they haven't really mastered time. These are the 65-year-old, 70-year-old men that thought that a lot of their old, big, clunky-ass machinery and their warehouses and their huge buildings and their, you know, was going to be what kept them powerful forever. But, you know, I heard from a, a wise man that overcompensation is a measurement of weakness. So a lot of those, you know, old thoughts and concepts, that, that machinery that they still hold on to is really the anchor that's keeping them from moving forward into the future. It's the lighter technology. It's the, the ability to write programs instead of building buildings. It's the uh, disconnect from hardware and getting more into software. It's the uh, changing of ideology versus trying to swap out for a new body. See, they in the Botox, the fucking cosmetic you know, right. surgery. Right. When new age thinkers is into changing the way you think. Change your OS, motherfucker. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's easier to install a new operating system than it is to build a new motherboard. It's just fucking reality. Old men with the money to pay for millions of new motherboards don't want to leave that space because in that space is their power. As long as these young motherfuckers don't got the money I got, they'll never be able to, to, to outrun me. It's an old man thinking. That's an old man that's bound to be a statue and be forgotten in some park somewhere and get shit on by pigeons. This is why it's important for us to A, invest in our youth 
by listening to our youth and instilling in our youth what we have in the form of references of success and failure through our lifetimes. It's the only thing we know for sure. And then after that, invest in faith in them that they're actually going to move in a, in a manner that preserves the collective as we choose to see it versus, you know, on a trajectory that we've been placed in. You know, we've been placed on this trajectory. This is, there's a reason for this. If you got, if you got the inhabitants of Namibia in a position where they have to ask Germany for reparations, reparations that they pay willingly to Israel, and then you got the descendants of German Numibians who are laughing at those requests as if they're totally unfounded, out of place, and saying stupid shit like, well, if they wanted it, they should have asked for it 100 years ago. 100 years ago, you had us fucked up. 100 years ago, shoot, you was under Jim Crow. Exactly. And all so that shit. that's like saying, well, if they wanted freedom from slavery, they should have asked for it while they were slaves. Or if the Jews wanted, you know what I'm saying, like some recompense from the Holocaust, they should have asked for it while they were in concentration camps. I'm pretty sure they did. You got prisons full of people right now saying they're fucking innocent. Nobody's listening to them. That's the way power works. Power concedes the power. So to, to act like powerless people can negotiate power from the powerful while they are powerless is ignorant. And it's kind of what you would expect from people who don't even have the heart to do what their predecessors did to take what they wanted violently from people. They wasn't in confusion about how they got their shit. They got it by swinging swords and busting guns. Right. Your punk ass inherited it. So you got the right to take on an outlook like that. We inherited depression and poverty. We inherited a lot of genetic diseases like the gout and like, you know, uh, intimacy issues where a father has to watch his wife raped and, you know what I'm saying, see his kids taken away into bondage while he can't do anything. And, or, you know, get castrated in front of his family. And then watch the person who castrated him put, put part of him in a jar and put it on a mantelpiece for his family to, to look, look at. at. Right. That's going to create intimacy issues in a people as a whole. Because once again, your reference point for protection and security, your reference point for normalcy are set by that. So when your normal is, a good day is a day where nobody gets shot or nobody gets killed for no reason. That's normal right now in the hood. But it was normalized way before it was black on black. Right. Nobody wants to look at that that way. Everybody has a convenient way of ducking out on that. And these are all our references for society right now. Uh, people aren't getting better at humanity, even though we have more connections than ever before. Even though technology is narrowing that digital divide, people thought that black people would never be online. We are. We're just online wasting a lot of time, just like everybody else, though. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's so much leverage in favor of the individual to, to, to not have to depend on a corporation. And still, there's a bunch of different corporations popping up for people, you know, to invest in so that they can validate themselves through being the first one up on this particular brand or what have you. So the impulse shopping and the amount of advertising you're exposed to on a daily basis totally fucking ridiculous in comparison to the 90s or the 80s 
think they said we had a somewhere around thirty three thousand advertisements you're hit with daily. You know, at this point, you know, obviously watching TV, you can see thirty three thousand commercials or listening or to the product, radio or product placement in a particular show. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, and all of it that you saw was being paid for hand over fist. You know what I mean? So just to understand, like, even right now, 33,000 ads flowing through your eyes, there's a, a, a there's an economy that's at work that is beyond people's understanding. This is why you got a joker like Leo Cohen. Did I say joker? Yeah, I meant joke. joker like Leo Cohen, who can be made the head of global music for YouTube when he only ever really dealt with hip-hop. So how are you the head of global music when you only dealt with hip-hop and it's questionable how much of the influence you had on music, you know, but it's really, because he was only really the business side. He had nothing to do with the creative side. Well, I mean, let him tell it. He, 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 he had a lot to do. Let him tell it. Um, But the bottom line is, you know, since you showed up, I see twice as many commercials on YouTube. That's, that's the change. I don't see a boost in, in great music. I don't see a boost in, independent artists or new artists breaking through. I mean, Pharrell had to, you know, the other channel on YouTube before you were head of global music trying to do something very similar. And now you're the head of global music and I don't see any new music. I just see a lot more commercials because that's what it's about. And he even admitted that in the show, like, you know, we're trying to get traditional advertisers to leave the older model of uh, radio, television, and newspaper. Yeah, that's because the, the the internet, your phones, all that shit is the new ABC, NBC, CBS. Yeah, I mean you don't carry your TV with you, right? Um, that's the bottom line, and and beyond that, TV is still very much programmed versus the on-demand binge-watch nature associated with YouTube. with YouTube, and you know all that revolves around instant gratification. It's something that people been chasing for years. I mean, like when they made. The jukebox, the video jukebox, where you could call up and order your videos, home shopping network, where you know it's interactive. Something's on the screen right now, and I can call up and order right now. These interactive aspects of entertainment uh, appeal to people's need for instant gratification. There's a power associated with. There's a god complex that you're tapping into when you do these type of things. You feel. Like the one percenters, we had this conversation earlier today talking about the big, the big box stores, your Sears, your your JC Penney, your you know what I'm saying FAO Schwartz, and they were all driven by catalogs, big thick catalogs that cost a lot of money to print, to design, and then to distribute all over the you know to your to your patrons. And it took a you know it took a certain type of person to be able to sit back and order from J.C. Penney and Macy's and not actually travel to the mall and window shop and all that shit. And you know there are more people that are given that. I'm not saying privilege because it's not you're not given the privilege. You know what I'm saying you can live beyond your means while doing this, but when you're given the opportunity to participate in that lifestyle. It will lead you to believe that you are of the 1%. So, you know, this idea of Amazon 24-hour, you know, same-day shipping, that, there's, that's so much God complex in that. There's so much, I'm a celebrity. You know, there's so much, I have a personal assistant. I have somebody waiting on me hand and foot that, you know, that, that wasn't around 10 years ago. Right. Definitely wasn't around 20 years ago when you really had to travel out to open-air marketplaces and interact with other humans. 
So especially if you wasn't of that one percent, that one not. that one percent had somebody. They had their personal shoppers, they maids and shit. If they wanted something now, they tell their butler to go get it. They got it. Right. Right. So now, in essence, what you're saying is that's the complex we have now with things such as Amazon and 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 Walmart online. You know what I'm saying? Where you can order something online and it gets you next day, or mm. or Walmart's even doing it where now you get it same day. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Same thing. Same, I mean, Amazon does the same thing too. Like with Whole Foods, if you're getting stuff at at a Whole Foods, you can get it same day. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that keeps us at a certain, I say, a lower vibration. You know what I'm saying? It absolutely does. Um, you're missing the journey. Like there's so much left out of it when you don't go out in public. You there's the 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 chance for uh, overlapping destinies. Uh, this 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 is called the business of black, and it revolves around the interaction of culture, commerce, and people of color. But the key word is interaction. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like parallels extend infinitely without ever hoping to touch one another. You know what I mean? And um, what what's happening right now is the interactions are being controlled. So. Those chance encounters, I really don't believe in chance. I believe in calculations, and I think that God is like the greatest mathematician. Like, I, I mean, I, hence the reason why we even sit at this table having this discussion. Right, um, overlap and interactions. Um, not just uh, you know being in the same place of convergence, being in the same place at the same time, but situations that lead up to that moment prior to you know the actual point of, of interaction. Um, all that shit is graphs. Like cosines and curves, all highly mathematical, and um, like I said, God's the greatest mathematician and scientist, but also a uh, manager of emotions as well. But it's the principle that when you sit in the crib and you deal with a vibration off a screen, and it gives you a feeling, and you act on that feeling, and you push some currency towards it to bring it towards you, you're creating an artificial universe that. Um, like I said, you're a god in that universe, but you're not creating anything. You know what I mean? And, you know, in it, there's a void that's missing because there's no connection. This is why I carry my brand differently. And it's to the detriment of the brand sometimes because things take longer in a time where everything is supposed to be quick. But I go out of my way to uh, complete the human element with, with my patrons. Like, I often deliver things by hand. I enjoy vending in person so that I can explain the designs in person and I get a thrill out of informing everybody I designed and printed everything there is no middleman because they get a reference for a person of color, somebody that they might consider their brother doing something that they can admire or that might inspire them to not necessarily do the same thing but do something, damn it. Right. And you're not just going to get that if you come to the site and you don't have the benefit of, of a conversation with me. And I definitely don't get the same thing when somebody orders something and I'm like, who is this? I never heard their voice before. I just see an email and a payment. That's cool. But it's worth so much more to me to know, how did you find the brand? Right. What is it you know, about this that resonates with you in this way where you don't say you want to go get a Supreme hat or you don't? want to go over here and get this babe stuff or like you don't want to, you know, move in this direction and get this off white stuff because this speaks to you differently. That's worth more than the profit to me. 
because that's, you know, affirmation that I'm moving in the right direction and doing something the right way in regards to the universe, not necessarily uh, the bank account. So, um, yeah, um, convergence is hella important, and there's a lot missing as far as the, what people do online that that works towards not connecting. And we got to do shit in our power to, to change that. Things like Vegan Soul Fest, things like Organic Fest, things like what the uh, Black Vegetarian Society of Georgia does regularly at um, Metropolitan College um, in the downtown area. The events that I've attended out here go out of their way to uh, reconnect the human element in a highly technological time that kind of devalues our, you know, us being together. You know, it's cool for a picture, it's cool for a photo op, it's cool to, uh, you know, to blog about it, but to actually do it and be there in the moment, I don't know if people still can attach the value to it like they used to, but I've seen it firsthand. It hasn't lost its appeal, and it is super important to reminding you as into why you do what you do and, you know, the balancing of technology versus doing things with other people, super important. This is all the kind of stuff that we'll talk about um, as we advance the show going forward. I feel like we can sit here and talk all day, but we already damn near an hour in. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, uh, impromptu with that, um, I, I've gotten a call um, from a client. This is the business of being black, so uh, we do got to dip back from the philosophical into the practical sometimes, and you know, we are going to deal with pros and cons. So it's not always going to be you know flowers and daffodils for our brothers and sisters. Sometimes we got to put roses on top of the coffin, um, and you know, get into some of the business practices that you know flatline us uh, faster than our counterparts. Um, so I have received calls since I was sitting here from clients that I definitely have to respond to. Yeah, you ain't the only one. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, we just wanted to give a, a snapshot of uh, of uh, the perspective that we will be sharing with the audience if if they want to hear that. And if they don't, they'll find another podcast. But that's what we will be talking about regularly um, and moving in and around those topics and uh, trying to keep it as interesting and entertaining as possible. But it's more to control the narrative of uh, the right now, the right now that uh, many of uh, people of color are experiencing because diversity issues are real. Uh, Income disparity is real. Um, the the narrowing digital divide, but the ever widening um, lack of opportunities is real. Um, you know what I'm saying? The assault on education is definitely real. Families, um, families, uh, even breaking down, and I don't want to say breaking down like it's not important, but health, right? Um, you know, physical health, spiritual health, mental, mental health. health. Um, like how all of these these things were outside of our control. And for a good deal of time, we weren't even allowed to question whether or not, you know, what we had to work with on a daily basis was up to snuff. And now that we can question it, you know, being comfortable with being able to say, I don't like this shit, 
You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's the same way you would if you got a a, a meal at a restaurant that it, it wasn't, you know, what you expected. It wasn't the way it was last time. You know, it's on you if you walk out that restaurant without letting them know. As a matter of fact, you just mess it up for the next person coming in with an expectancy because you didn't say like, yo, you know, this Sprite tastes like salsa water. You know what I'm saying? Or like this steak is overcooked or I don't think these potatoes might be bad. You keep it to yourself, then, you know, they they don't know. They didn't get any complaints. They're going to serve that to the next person. And now you're extending, the, you know, the, the 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 mediocrity onto others when it could be nipped in the bud. As a community, as a collective, as a culture, we have to start to uh, embrace these practices if we ever expect to better our position globally amongst other people who are in direct competition with us without actually admitting it, and many of them who are at war with us without declaring it. Right. So, so tell, tell them your name. Tell them where you can be found. Yeah, um, my name is uh, Donald Wooten II. You can, uh, you can go to donald-wooten.format.com and see uh, what I do professionally in the form of graphic design and illustration and printing. I do screen printing and sublimation as well as vinyl for brand owners as well as outside clients as well as myself. I have a brand that's called Stolen Outfitters. Um, you can see us uh, Venn locally in the Atlanta area and around Atlanta. Uh, uh, August 25th, we'll be in uh, Baltimore, Maryland for the fifth annual Vegan Soul Fest at Clifton Park, out there vending for loved ones that we have out there. Got a lot of friends and family in Baltimore. I was out there for 12 years. Um, but uh, yeah, you can definitely go to donald-wooten.format.com to see the portfolio. You can go to Obscene Questions at uh, Instagram, at Obscene Question, A-H-B-S-E-E-N-K-W-E-S-T-I-O-N on Instagram to see more up-to-date flicks of uh, prints and different things that we're involved in. It's a real lively sort of uh, Instagram account. Um, I try to balance the captions against the actual art. So, you know, you get to read and you get to just, you know, sit back and look at pictures. It's pretty cool. And you can follow me on uh, Facebook, Donald Wooten. Uh, no Roman numerals, just Donald Wooten. And um, I'm not really super heavy poster up there. I might, you know, do four or five posts a day and then get back to work. But, you know, you definitely can't keep up with some things that are going on with me over there. And uh, you expect to hear me on on this podcast uh, to expound on whatever I don't feel like talking about on any of those social media platforms because we have to manage our content with foresight and maturity because they are intellectual properties. And whether you know it or not, Twitter and Facebook are crowdsourced, meaning like you take away the people, there is no product. Right. You take away the people, there's no one to advertise to. Take away the people, there's nothing moving, there's nobody talking, there's nobody arguing, there's nobody sharing anything they feel interesting, there's nobody circulating any videos, there's nothing. You know what I mean? That's why nobody kicks it with Mark. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody talks to each other, nobody talks to Mark. Just like nobody talked to Tom from MySpace. And nobody kicked it with Tom. 
You know what I'm saying? Everybody kicked it with each other. With each other. You right. know what I mean? So hence the reason social yes. has been used. Social as in society. You right. know what I'm saying? So um yeah, th- those are the those are the ways to reach me if you feel like being bored out your mind. You know what I mean? Like if you have that type of time to devote to something different, yeah, I actually give it up on on those uh, platforms. That's yeah. that's what's up. And I I'm Stokely, Black Republic and Company can be found everywhere. Uh Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And uh and Donald does some of my designs too, so you know, been part of the family for a minute. So um but yeah, that's it for today. That's where we're gonna cut it. Hey. Yep. <laughs>